You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity and betrayal. Today, we're going to talk about meditation. Now, Meditation is one of those things that has kind of been touted as the holy grail, the end-all cure-all for like everything in the entire world. Do you meditate? Oh my gosh, you should meditate. Meditation will help. Meditation will make you feel better. Meditation is where it's at. If you're spiritual, you meditate. Meditation is one of those things that there is a lot of hype around. And while I truly believe in the power of meditation, I also believe that there's a lot of hype around meditation. And there's a lot of misinformation around meditation. So my intention for the show today is to talk all about meditation, what it is, how you do it, how and why it has the potential to help you. Why and how it has the potential to help you recover from betrayal trauma, from the trauma around infidelity, but also just in life in general. Because while I am a huge believer in meditation, I also have a lot of my own very strong beliefs around it. So with that, whether you were a meditator or not, whether you were interested in it or not, I ask you to open your mind and just be willing to listen. All right. So what is meditation? I think there's a lot of misinformation around what it is. So often people say meditation is emptying your mind. Oh, let's talk about that. There really isn't such thing as emptying your mind. There really isn't such a thing as the absence of thought. If you are alive, you're thinking. I don't care how peaceful or relaxed you are. You are thinking about something. And even if you're asleep, your mind is still thinking. Dreams are thoughts. There are portions of the night when you're not in a REM dream state, but even then the mind is still active. You are still producing brain waves and thoughts are still happening. You're just not consciously aware of those thoughts. So, When people say meditation is stopping all thought, meditation is emptying your mind. I'm sorry, but that is just not what it is. What I believe meditation to be is the direction of thought, the conscious direction of thought towards a single point of focus. 
So let's break that down a little bit. The direction of thought towards a single point of focus. If you are concentrating on a project at work, you might actually be in a meditative state. If you were reading a book and you were completely lost in the thrill of the story, that's actually a meditative state because you were completely absorbed in that book. If you've ever had an experience where time just melts, where you're just totally into something and you look at the clock and you go, oh my gosh, like two hours have gone by. How did that happen? That was a meditative state. Now, a meditative state is not a zoned out state. (laughs) And I want to be clear about that. A meditative state is really when you are in the zone. It's that state of flow. It's that state of really being engaged. It's not chilling out on the couch with a pint of ice cream, um, chilling to Netflix. That's zoning out. And zoning out is not a meditative state. The meditative state is the conscious direction of thought on a single point of focus, not an unconscious watching something or chilling out. When you consciously direct your thoughts, you are conscious. You are choosing where to direct your thoughts. Now, meditation can be driving. It can be cooking. It can be gardening. It can be playing music or painting or dancing or working out. Working out is a huge, huge place where I meditate, space where I meditate, because I am so focused on my body and the movement. Driving is very meditative too, because you are truly concentrating on what you're doing. You're not, you you can zone out on the road. That's, but again, that's not the conscious direction of it. But when you're actively thinking about what you're doing and you're driving and you're aware, that's a very meditative state. Now, why? Why is this important? Why does this matter? What does it do? Why do we care? And why do we meditate? Now, I just gave several examples of like natural meditative states, places where we slip into meditation. And I want you to first be aware of where you slip into meditation because that is important. It's important to notice when and where your focus is on that single point of focus because that lets you be aware of what that state is like. The reason that we practice meditation though is to help increase our capacity to focus, to increase our ability to focus, to help us tune out distraction and to learn how to move into that state selectively and consciously. So if you think about kids in school, if you think about you when you can't, when you can't get in the groove, when you're at work or you're at home and you're just like, oh my God, I can't get in the groove. Learning to meditate helps you learn how 
to get in the groove when it's more difficult. So if you have a task to complete at home or at work and you are practiced at meditation, you are more easily able to discipline yourself, discipline your mind, shut out all of that extraneous chatter and do what you need to do to focus. So think about this. There are many difficult times when it difficult times to focus. It can be when you are tired. It can be when you are hungry or distracted. It can be when you have when you don't really know what you're doing and you're frustrated and you feel like that imposter syndrome kicking in. There are so many reasons why we procrastinate. But it can also be overwhelm that there's so much going on. And it can also be trauma. Trauma is one of those things that truly does scatter your brain. So there's all of these reasons why you're not a machine, why you are not just capable of sitting down anywhere, anytime, and focusing on the task at hand and doing it without distraction. You know, one of my favorite sayings is like, I get uh, distracted by sparkly objects. It's that whole squirrel. And it's true. I am very easily distracted. Most people are very easily distracted. We look out the window. We are caught off guard by being cold or hot or tired or by lights or sounds around us. You know, sometimes people say, I can't study in a loud environment or I, I can't do this unless my environment is right. That's normal. And the ability to focus is really paramount in getting things done, in having agency and control over your own life. And when you practice knowing how to meditate, when you practice disciplining your mind, disciplining yourself to focus on that single point of focus, you become better at doing that, at disciplining your mind, at having that single point of focus. And when you're better at it, then you're more successful and you have more control over yourself and the experience that you are living. So that's why we meditate. We meditate as a practice. It's a meditative practice for learning how to focus, for learning how to discipline our minds. So you can focus on a friend or a partner and be fully present. You may have heard the term holding space. When you hold space for someone, that's all you're doing. You have your point of focus on them and you are listening and you are receiving and you are fully conscious and aware. And you're not looking off, looking at your watch, wondering about your kids, thinking about your to-do list or what you need to do after. Holding space for someone is really holding presence for someone. So first, I ask you, I invite you 
to notice the places and the times in life where you do slip into a meditative state. Is it being with your animals? Is it painting or making music? For me, it's definitely dancing and working out. Notice the times when you do move into a meditative state. Because when you can identify what that feels like in your mind, in your heart, in your body, then you know what it is that you are striving to get back to. And then notice the times where it's difficult for you to hold that single point of focus. Times when you're like, do, 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 and you're totally distracted and you're here and you're there and you're opening up. This is my, I'm so guilty of this opening up all these different browser tabs on my laptop. I'll have like 10 different browsers open because I'll be doing one thing and then I'll think, oh, I need to Google that. And then I'll think, no, 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 no. I need to check Facebook because I'm I'm expecting a message. And then I'll be like, oh, well, what about over here? I'm going to open this. And before I know it, I'll have like 10 different browser tabs open. And then same thing with my email. I'll open an email and then I won't complete it. I'll need to go open another browser tab. And then I'll realize, oh, I need information here and I'll open something else. And I have all of these things open and it's in the name of getting things done. But in reality, I'm not getting anything done because my focus is not on a single thing. My focus is jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing. And then nothing gets completed because I've jumped everywhere. So the point of meditation is to identify times like that, where you are scattered, where you are fractured, where you are jumping from thing to thing, and just practice moving your thoughts and moving your attention to a single point of focus. So that might be, I am not going to open a second email until this email is processed. Or I'm going to discipline myself to not open another browser tab until I complete this project. That is a form of meditation. Cleaning the kitchen before you move on to another project. Finishing vacuuming your house before you move on to dusting is a form of meditation because it's that single point of focus. Even when you're doing things like showering or getting ready for the day or getting ready for bed at night, you can challenge yourself to just single task, to not multitask, but to single task and to focus on whatever it is you are doing, to try not to let your thoughts run wild to try not to be planning things or listening to things or wondering about things, but just to be present, fully present in your day, in that moment. So it might be being aware of the water on your skin in the shower, being aware of the temperature, being aware of the smell of your lotions, of your shampoo, and just being exactly where you're at. And notice how long you can hold focus around that. And a huge piece of that is not judging. 
Because if you're anything like me, if you're anything like most people in the world, it's so hard to hold focus. Whether it's a conversation with somebody else where all of a sudden you find yourself thinking about, oh, how I'm going to respond to them is, and then you quit listening because you're thinking about your response. Or whether it's jumping around on social media or anything, most of us are distracted all the time. It's the world that we live in and it's not our fault. Our attention spans have been trained down. The number of edits and cuts in commercials has significantly risen. The number of the speed, the number of words that come out both in TV and in radio and in podcast commercials has increased exponentially. Think about the music even from the, from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. It was simple music, maybe three or four instruments and vocals. And the vocals were very clear. There was the lead vocals and then there was maybe a couple of backup people doing the little doo-wops and things like that. There weren't multi-tracks and multi-layers. We were not overtasking the brain in the past the way that we are overtasking our brains today. Commercials are loud. Audio is fast. The visuals, bam, 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 fly at us. We've got our phones. We have landlines too. We have notifications on our laptops. We have all of this distraction around us all the time. And we are not used to having a single point of focus anymore. So the practice of meditation is literally expanding those moments where we have a single point of focus. And by, exp by expanding it, that can mean by five seconds at a time, by 10 seconds at a time. That's kind of that other fallacy of meditation. It's not something that anybody can just sit down and meditate for 30 minutes or an hour. Meditation is learned incrementally and slowly. And that's why I challenge you to do it in your everyday life, to meditate in the shower while you're brushing your teeth, while you're cooking, to challenge yourself to be fully present in the moment and to focus on the cooking, to focus on the tooth brushing, to focus on the shower and just start training your mind to let everything else go. And then when you really start moving into your formal meditation practice, to give your mind something to chew, something to hang on to. It's not that you're sitting quietly. You're actually sitting very actively. You're sitting with active concentration. So yes, your body is relaxed and you can breathe and you can calm yourself, but it's calming yourself in preparation for that intense focus. It's hard to focus on your breath. I'm just gonna call that, it is hard to focus on your breath. So while your body is relaxed, 
and you're focusing on your breath, it takes a lot of mental discipline not to have your mind wander. That's what those meditative tools are all about. Mala beads give you something physical to touch, to count, to move through your fingers, to give you something to focus on. Because it's hard to sit in a vacuum and just be like, do, 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 I'm focused. Yep, here, here I am, I'm focused. You can focus on your mala beads. You can focus on your breath. You can focus on the word OM or the phrase. The Oprah and Deepak meditations always give a certain phrase, a phrase, a Sanskrit phrase for you to repeat every time your mind wanders. It's just an anchor. There's no magic in that phrase. You can use OM or love or peace or any of those beautiful words that mean something to you, of course, because that is an affirmation as well as an anchor. But what really matters in meditation is that anchor. So you could be saying a nonsense word. You could be saying a color. It's just something for you to focus your thoughts and your mind on. Breath, the flame of a candle, a word, a feeling, relaxation. When you're relaxing, you're consciously focusing on relaxing. You're not just being like this passive relaxer. You're focusing on, ooh, I'm letting my muscles go. It's that single point of focus. And no, you're not emptying your mind of thoughts. Nobody can do that. You are emptying your mind of extraneous thoughts and you are filling it and allowing it to be filled with one singular thought, with one singular idea. So that is what meditation is. It is a single point of focus. It's a state, a brainwave state that we all go into because we all get caught up into that single point of focus. When you practice meditation, you do something that's difficult and you extend the time so you can practice, so you can get better at it, so you can discipline and train your mind. So you can focus on what it is you want to focus on, the positive thoughts, the future, the good, gratitude. They talk about monkey mind and how our mind jumps around, clinging jumping from branch to branch to branch to branch. And it's never settled. That is monkey mind. But here's the thing. Monkey mind is rarely like this. It's rarely, I'm amazing. I'm awesome. I look good. I sound good. I know how to do things amazing. I'm a good friend. Monkey mind is rarely this train of positivity. Monkey mind is usually a train of negativity. It's usually us reacting instead of responding. And that's why meditation is valuable. It allows you, it trains you to let go of the things that don't serve you, to be able to be selective 
and to filter your thoughts for your benefit, to not be a victim of your mind, of your circumstances, of your thoughts, and to be the conscious creator of your reality. Now, that's not to say that you can't grieve, that you can't be angry, that you can't throw a pity party for yourself. Of course you can. But it's about being the conscious creator of your reality. So let's break that one down a little bit. This show is about finding your sparkle and creating a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. So let's start by talking about infidelity and betrayal. Oh my God, it hurts. It pulls the rug out from under you. It makes you question who you are and everything that you know to be true. It absolutely destroys your worth. It guts you and it sends your mind on this chaotic ride of how how horrible you are, about how worthless you are, about all of the things that you could have done differently, that you should have done differently, that if only I would have done this differently, things would have turned out differently. If only those if onlys and those but fours, when I'm coaching my clients, I always talk about them. They are those things that are so easy to hang on to. If only I would have done this. If only I would have known that. Well, but for this, everything would have been perfect. Except for this, I would have had blah, 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 blah. That is that faulty, wishful thinking that sends us truly down this crazy rabbit hole. When you have been betrayed, when your expectations have been crushed, when you are in a really bad place, that's where your mind goes. It goes into the, if only I would have done this. If only I would have known that. If it hadn't been for this person, this wouldn't have happened. If, if only I could have, if I could go back. And it sends you into this unhealthy, negative spiral. The difference between people who heal and move ahead and create something amazing out of this devastation are the people that can control those thoughts. Yes, like I said, like I said just before this, they do allow space for grieving. They do allow space for mourning. They do allow themselves to grieve. It's not, it's not a fake false positivity that I'm just not going to think about that. Tomorrow is another day. It's not that. They feel them, but they train their mind and they know when enough is enough. And they know when it's ridiculous. And they know when it's getting out of hand. And they know when it is just simply not true. I know with my infidelity story, of course, I was devastated. Of course, I internalized and I self-reflected and I thought, what did I do wrong? And you know, I'm not perfect. I did things wrong. I was not 
the perfect wife or the perfect partner. I said things that I'm not proud of. I was defensive. I was harsh. I was judgmental. I shamed my partner. I did a lot of bad things. But here's the thing. And here's the thing that I know to be true. And I know this to be true for you too. There is nothing that I did that caused this. There is nothing I did that was so bad that I deserved this. My husband's infidelity was his choice based on his weakness and it had nothing to do, it was his pain. It had nothing to do with me or the choices that I made or the things that I did or did not do. And I know that. And in my heart of hearts, I knew that and I know that. And at the same time, it was so easy to spiral. If I only would have lost 10 more pounds, if I only would have made dinner, if I only would have checked this, if I only would have gone on this business trip. But it's that discipline of my mind to allow myself the grace in the space to go there and then to rein myself back in. To allow myself to lay on the floor and sob and grieve and cry and then to move back into reality. To say, uh-uh, Laura, uh-uh, not true. The size of your body had nothing to do with it. The words that you used had nothing to do with it. You are imperfect, but you were always good enough. You always did what was in your heart. Now, there were a couple times where I was intentionally snotty or snarfy or rude. But you know what? Bottom line, mostly I was not. And like I said, it's that reality. It's training my mind and focusing on, yes, I made mistakes and my mistakes were in the normal realm. And it's embarrassing. And I can own those mistakes. And I can apologize. And I can learn from them. And I can grow and change. And that's still not the cause. And I can train my mind to focus on reality, to focus on what is, to focus on accepting what is, and to let go of the rest. And that's why meditation is magical. That's why. It benefits anybody because it gives them that mental strength to do, to put the reins on the uncontrolled thoughts and to allow yourself the grace and the space to grieve and also to have the power to stop and to choose and to direct those thoughts. 
we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to go a little bit more into this, a little bit more into the healing power of meditation and to why it's kind of the holy grail of all things healing. So stick with me. We will be right back. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra, Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. And we are back talking about meditation and what it is and what it's not and why we care and how it can help us heal and why it is touted as this whole big, amazing thing and why it is so difficult because it is difficult because it's so easy just to let our emotions run free. Now, in this part of the show, I want to talk about why it really matters, why it is touted as this incredible thing that everybody should do, and why there's so much pushback around it. If you think about, this is going to get a little metaphysical, but that's okay. If you think about the state of energy, matter, creation, all things are energy. Thoughts create things. If you've heard anything about manifesting or the law of attraction or anything like that, you're familiar with the idea that thoughts create things. That we are the creators of our own life. And if we're not consciously creating, our life has been created for us. So here you are, you've been betrayed. Whether it's infidelity or some other kind of a betrayal, it's a pretty devastating moment. And what you don't want to hear, what I didn't want to hear, what I still don't want to hear is that you created this. Oh, you are attracting it. It's your fault. No, you did not create this. There are things in your energy that made you a match for this, but this is not your fault. And you have a choice. Going forward, you can choose to be the creator of your life, or you can choose to go forward and to continue to allow things to happen in your world. And I don't know about you, but during my infidelity journey, I was so devastated that it made me very clear and it made me very determined that never again was I going to have something like this happen to me. I was very clear that I wanted to continue to be a very loving, trusting, giving person, 
that I didn't want to be harsh and put walls up. But at the same time, I was going to be very conscious and very directed about the kind of life that I was creating and about the kind of relationships that I wanted to attract. And that's hard work. It's so hard to wake up every day with intention and then to keep yourself focused on that same intention all day long. It's so much easier to allow yourself to get blown around by the wind, to get distracted. It takes so much mental discipline to plan what you're going to do and then to execute and to stay the course. Have you ever tried to diet? They say diets don't work and the reason that they don't work It's not really willpower. It's that intention piece. It's that mental discipline. All you have to do is take in less calories or burn more. All you have to do is eat less and exercise more. It sounds so simple, right? But nobody really has the mental discipline to do that. And no, it's not about, you know, your routine coming home from work and stopping at the gym. And it's not about finding an exercise that you love or finding an accountability partner. It's that mental discipline. And it's hard. It is hard not to get distracted. I am sitting here right now recording this show. And guess what I didn't do today? I didn't do my workout. I have a lot of mental discipline. I have a great ability to focus and I also like going with the flow. And it's hard to balance that sometimes. But that's why meditation is important. It allows you to be conscious in the choices that you're making. It allows you to be conscious in the world you are creating. It allows you to be conscious in the experiences that you're having and the relationships that you are a part of because it keeps you focused. I've got a lot of friends and clients right now who are dating. And just like with so many other things, they have this idea of what they want in a potential partner. And that partner The people that they date don't always fit that profile. And there's always that tension between, well, it's good, but it's not what I want. So should I stick with it? Or do I keep my focus on the intention and let this partner go because I think something better is out there? And the answer is neither. The answer truly isn't one or the other. The answer is neither. The answer is using the power of meditation, using that power of singular focus to move into what is that intention? Is your intention specifically around six foot two, blue eyes, brown hair, this kind of a car, this kind of a job? Is your intention around the thing or the energy? Is the intention around 
feeling loved, feeling compatible, finding joy. What is the intention? What is that single point of focus? Because if you choose the thing for the single point of focus, there's your answer. If you're choosing the feeling for that single point of focus, then that's your answer too. In my infidelity story, in your infidelity story, what is it that you intend? How do you want to walk away from this? What what do you want it to do to you? It's like this whole, you know, an alchemist, how things react. You take the element, you take the thing and things react and they create something new. What do you intend on having happen after this journey? Because if you intend to be devastated, you will be. I did not intend to be devastated. And I was. And I still am in, quite frankly, some pains and some situations are so painful that you don't ever get over them. You don't, you don't fully move through it. And I think that's how this experience was. I know that's how this experience was for me. And I think that's how very similar for a lot of other people. And I also did not intend to stay, to build a house and stay in the pits of despair. I also did not intend to stay just one step up. I did not intend to stay in surviving. I'm surviving and I'm better. I was very clear with my point of focus, with my mental discipline, that I wanted this experience to make me better, to act on me and to change who I was for the better. My point of focus was something more. And I didn't know what that was. And I only think I'm starting, and it's been three years, and I only think I'm starting to fully see what I am capable of because I have kept my eyes lifted, because I chose to focus and to not be distracted that, oh, this could work oh, a divorce could be the way. Reconciliation could be the way. Oh, this is good enough. I can just stop here. I chose to focus higher, to focus further away, to focus outside of myself. And part of the reason that I was able to do that was because I had a meditation practice, because I had cultivated that mental discipline. Now, looking back through my life, I had to cultivate a lot of mental discipline to get through law school, to pass the bar exam. In my job as a corporate attorney, it required a lot of mental discipline. Raising kids, when I left work and I stayed home and my husband traveled pretty much full time and I was alone with two kids 22 months apart and animals and a whole bunch of responsibilities. And I was at my wit's end, I really had to focus. And it was at that time that I really turned towards that spirituality, towards meditation, towards yoga, towards all of these tools, 
because I felt like I was losing my mind. I felt like I was working all day long and I wasn't accomplishing anything. And it was depressing. And that's when I really leaned into these spiritual principles to make me feel better, to make me feel like I wasn't losing my mind. And I just want to say, if you've ever felt like, oh my God, I'm going crazy, I'm totally losing it. Let me validate that you are. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all, we all lose it. We all get to that point. That's why meditation is a lifesaver. That's why it's such a powerful tool, tool across all cultures, across time. Meditation is not new. We are hearing more about it in the last, what, 20, 25 years. We've heard a lot more about it because it works, because it's powerful, but it is an ancient tool. Men, women, children, all different religions have used meditation because it works. Prayer is actually very similar to meditation because it's a single point of focus. You are in communication with God, with spirit. You are having, it's more of a monologue than a dialogue. But when you pray, you are focusing. I like to say meditation, praying is, is, is an important first step, but meditation is listening and hearing those answers. You can send up your questions. You can send up your gratitude. You can beg. You can plead. You can talk. But unless you're hearing back, who really cares? Yes, talk to spirit. Yes, talk to God. But listen back. Single point of focus on hearing. Single point of focus on receiving. Single point of focus on saying, yes, I am receptive. Guide me. Lead me. So many of us say, just tell me what to do. Just show me my purpose. Oh, Lord, just do this. And then we move on and we're so distracted that we're not hearing what is being said. You may or may not know that I do intuitive readings. I was trained by Doreen Virtue, actually, a long time ago to do angel readings, to do mediumship to tune into people's angels and guides and deceased loved ones and to take those messages and to give them to you, to give them to clients. And it's so fascinating because there's nothing that miraculous, I guess, about being able to read energy about being able to hear a deceased loved one or an angel or a guide. It's literally just having that single point of focus in listening, in saying, I am here and I will wait and I will not let my mind jump. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Are you going to say this? Are you going to say this? Are you going to say this? Oh my gosh, I'm not hearing anything. I'm not hearing anything. Why am I not hearing anything? Am I meditating enough? Am I tuned in enough? <gasps> what am I doing wrong? Oh my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. To be able to sit in that silence and just be like, fill me up. Channeling 
mediumship, energy reading. It's all just a form of meditation from where I sit. It's all just that single point of focus. My point of focus is on hearing. My point of focus is on seeing. My point of focus is on knowing. And when all of my energy and all of my focus is on that one thing, I can't miss it. I can't miss it. I am all right. And that is exactly what you can do too. You can choose what to focus on, when, how, and you can get all of your own divine guidance as well as all of your own internal intuitive guidance, as well as creating exactly what it is that you want as a human from your brain, from your heart, right here, right now in your life, simply by directing your focus towards whatever it is that you want. And that is why meditation is so powerful. You have to clarify your intention. You have to hone in. You have to work. You have to put that energy there. You've probably heard different things about, you know, you can only, you can't multitask. You can only do one thing and you can only do one thing well. And there's so much truth around that. And trust me, I fall into this all the time. Well, I can check email while I'm on a Zoom meeting and nobody will know. You can't have that split attention. That means I'm not getting what I need out of my Zoom meeting, and it means that I'm not doing my email well. Single point of focus. Why does it bring you peace? It brings you peace because all of your energy, your spirit, your senses is towards one thing. And you're not constantly afraid that you're missing something. You're not constantly afraid that you're going to be caught not knowing what's happening. Now, that is magical. It creates connection. It creates love. Whether you're holding space for somebody else or holding space for yourself, it does allow the extraneous to fall away. It allows all of that noise. That's what they talk about when they talk about shutting down your thoughts. You're not shutting down your thoughts. You're just letting everything that is not what you're thinking about fall away. And that's magic. And that's bliss. And that's power and passion and purpose and healing. And that's where all of the good stuff comes in. So that's what I'm asking for you right here today. To focus on what it is you want. And yes, I am fully aware that in order to focus on what it is that you want, you need to know what it is that you want. So let's start with that. Do you want healing? Do you want to go back to the level that you were before? Do you want to be something more? Do you want to be miraculous? 
What is it that you want to be? Because what you want to be is absolutely what you can get if you focus on it. The second thing I want you to do besides figure out what it is you really want to be is like I said earlier, think about that thing that brings you into a meditative state naturally. Art, reading, working out, gardening. And embrace that and acknowledge that and tune into how that feels. And then slowly start practicing. Move into something that's more difficult for you. Meditate at your desk at work. When you are crying, when you are having your trauma, when you're on the floor feeling absolutely horrible, start meditating. Five seconds, 10 seconds. Focus on your sobbing. Focus on your heartbreak. Focus on whatever it is that you are experiencing. If you're experiencing intense imposter syndrome, focus on it. Put your attention there. Let other things fall away. And then you can start shifting it. And then you can move into some positive stuff. But it's that practicing of the shutting down of all of that other noise. And that may seem counterintuitive when I'm saying focus on some of the negative stuff, but it's not. Because if you can focus on the quality of your sobbing, if you can focus on the fear, the pain, the shame, the anger, the rage, it's still a single point of focus. And then you know how to shift it. I'm not saying stay there forever, but I'm saying think about it and feel it and be where it's at. And then move that single point of focus to one step higher, to one step better. If your single point of focus is on grief and rage and shame and pain and betrayal and all of that stuff, move it just one step higher to neutrality, to not caring as much, to just generalized malcontent or unhappiness. Just one step higher. Put all your focus there. Once you're good there, then you can take it up one step higher too. Mildly content. All your focus is on being mildly content, then it can be very satisfied. The point is training your mind. Training your mind to choose its direction and to go there. So right here, right now, before we leave, if it's safe to do, choose one thing that you want. Don't even think too hard about it. You might want to be healthy. You might want to be comfortable in your body. You might want to be loved. You might want to be seen. You might want to be validated. You might want to be worthy. Just choose one thing. It doesn't even have to be that big of a deal. And then put your focus on that. Worthy. Seen. Loved. Worthy. Seen. Loved. And just notice the thoughts that pop up that are not in alignment with those thoughts and let them go. And just keep coming back to worthy, seen, loved, whatever it is for you, just keep coming back to that. 
Is there a feeling that pops up that is not in alignment with that? Let it go. When there's a thought that pops in that says, yeah, but not you, except for not until you lose 30 pounds, acknowledge that thought and then just let it go. Let it fall away. If you're thinking about what you're going to do after this show, let it fall away. If you're thinking about what you need to do or what you wish you could have done or what you forgot or what you need to write down, just let it go. It's that single point of focus. Just keep coming back to that single point of focus. Keep coming back to that word. Keep coming back to your breath. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. And what we did there, that is enough. That is how you start meditating. Tonight, before you go to bed, practice it again. When you brush your teeth, when you wash your face, when you take a shower, practice it again. That is your meditative practice. It has nothing to do with sitting in the lotus position on a meditation cushion in front of an altar with incense burning. It has to do with the here and the now and every moment training your mind. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. Please reach out to me and tell me how it went for you because I'd really love to hear your journey. Single point of focus in every moment. Have an amazing week. Remember to go to www.nakedselfworth.com, nakedselfworth.com, and download your Sparkle After Betrayal Recovery Guide. It's an amazing recovery guide that is going to help you learn how to sparkle again, even after the most devastating betrayal. And part of that does include meditation. Have an amazing week. Keep practicing. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 